Welcome to Book Talk with Kara Putman. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kara Putman, the award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 novels. I write romantic legal suspense and World War II romance, but I read voraciously. Each week, I'll introduce you to one of my favorite author friends as we talk books, writing, and life. Be sure to check back frequently for new episodes. Hello, everyone. It is Monday night, and it has been a Monday of Monday. So I'm so glad that you're here with us tonight as I am with my friend, Teresa Tysinger, and just really excited to reintroduce you to her. She was part of a Book Talk when we talked about Christmas in Mistletoe Square, and she's been on before. And so, Teresa, do you just want to take a moment to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, um, thanks so much for having me. Uh, my name is Teresa Tysinger, and um, I live with my husband and 13-year-old daughter in Fort Worth, Texas, um, though I like to say that my heart is back in North Carolina, where we spent the first part of our um, marriage and where I went to college um, and where my books are set. Um, I write contemporary Christian uh, romance, and um, by day, I am a professional communications um, director for a national nonprofit that awards scholarships. So we're in a really busy time right now. This is a nice distraction from that. Yes, I think that is. We had uh, admitted student events today at Purdue. And so it's always fun to see the students. And their second question is always, so what about scholarships? So what right. is really, really important. So how did you parlay that into writing fiction? Well, that's a good question. Um, so before I started working for the foundation, um, I spent about 15, 17 years um, in church communications for local congregations, um, large churches in both Texas and North Carolina. Um, but both of my degrees, both my undergrad and my master's degree are in um, English. And um, so first one, or my undergrad is in editing, no, sorry, undergrad is in professional writing. And um, my master's is in editing and publishing, but I ended up focusing on um, a special program that my school had for book design. Um, and so I learned that I loved book design while I was in my master's program and started working for the churches. And so that sort of gave like a, I guess a bridge. Um, yeah between some of it, but I've, I've been a lifelong reader. Um, one of those ki young kids who always had a book in my hand, um, wrote a lot of little stories. I actually, in my hope chest in our bedroom, my parents recently gave me um, a copy of my very first book um, called The Bunny Family that um, I wrote in second grade. It's <laughs> so fun. So I right. think it was always just part of, you know, yeah. what I eventually was going to do. Um, and so back in 20, gosh, was it 14 or 15? I did uh, NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writers Month with a friend. And that eventually down the road turned into my first book. That is awesome. Yeah. And kind of like you, the first book I wrote was the first book that got published. And when you say you're into book design, I am not at all surprised because <laughs> this cover and the little gizmos that we have at the beginning of the chapters are all you. And so you did such a great job with the cover and with Thank just you. keeping us all on track and making it just gorgeous. It was so, fun. It was. It was so much fun. And we had exciting news about this book this weekend. Yes. You want me to say it or do you want to say yeah, it? Yeah, you go ahead and say it. 
Um, we are excited that Christmas and Mistletoe Square is one of the finalists of the SELA Awards this year um, in the category for anthologies. Yes, which is so much fun. And so it, fun. what's so fun is I didn't enter it in that. One of my, our co-authors did, but this was so much fun to yeah. write and work together on. Uh, but most of it, you do kind of a combination of, you'll do these projects where you're working with other writers and then you have your books that you're writing and the fourth one in your series just came out so tell us a little bit about say it's for good yeah i've got a one of my brand new author copies here which you know it's always nice to hold it in your hands for the first time um but say it's for good is um the fourth and final, although I, as I've been writing about it, I've been putting an asterisk next to final because who really <laughs> likes to say for sure that it's ever the absolute final. <laughs> um, I've already had a lot of readers asking for one of the sub characters in this book to get her own story, which I think will probably happen one day. That's awesome. Um, but the Laurel Cove series is um, Laurel Cove, North Carolina, set in the mountains of the Blue Ridge. Um, and is inspired by an actual place that's near and dear to my heart, my best friend's hometown of Burnsville, North Carolina. Um, but uh, say it's for these can all be read standalone. Um, but say it's for good involves um, like high school sweethearts who had a parting of ways. Um, Leah really broke Jasper's heart um, when he tried to propose and she said no. And um, so they spent 10 years apart. And um, life circumstances has brought Leah back to Laurel Cove. Um, and they are sort of, um, she's in a midst of family turmoil with a sick father after losing her mother not long ago. And so she's, um, she kind of panics in a moment. Her, her father has kind of out of his own fears um, has sort of tried to um, set her up on some dates, trying to get her um, to, to have like a partner in life. So he doesn't feel so scared for her if something were to happen and things don't turn out great. He doesn't want her to be alone. And so that really strikes some fear in Leah and um, kind of on this crazy fear driven whim, she um, announces that her and Jasper are actually dating and her father doesn't need to worry about it. <laughs> And that's news to Jasper and it's news to her and everything. About that. Yeah. yeah. So everything kind of snowballs from there. But um it was it was a, a fun one to write because I knew it was kind of um pun intended closing a chapter, you know, for me on this project. But um it was also kind of difficult just um in a season of life for me where um you know a lot going on in the world and it was just, it wasn't the easiest book to write, but I'm really glad that it's out. Yeah, and I, I think that, um, you know, when you look at those books that are, the, that are the hardest to write, it's often because there's something that God's doing in us as we're writing it. And so he almost uses the process of creating the book to go, okay, let's go deeper here and let's deal with this um, concern, this fear, this situation, this lie that you've chosen to believe. How did God do that in this book for you? Yeah, um, I like I said, I really struggled with this one. And I early on in the process when it wasn't kind of going as smoothly as some of my others, I self-diagnosed that this was senioritis, that I was um, nearing the end of this project as, you know, for this series and um, kind of expected it to go like the others. And when it didn't, I was just like, oh, you know, I'm just ready to be done. I'm ready for a break. Maybe that's why this is hard. Um, 
but uh, I had a, a beta reader, one of my very earliest readers for this book, Susan, she um, kind of in her feedback on the story itself as it related to her and her life and how it spoke to her, she made me realize um, from a few things that she said, she helped me connect the dots between the fact that I'm a lot like Leah. Um, in this book, Leah just um, is driven by fear um, and anxiety about the things that she can't control, um, how life might end up. Um, and I'm very much unfortunately, as ever since I was a child, um, have been a what if person. What if this happens? What if that doesn't work out? Um, what if this person thinks this about me and I can't do anything about it? Um, you know, all kinds of things. And so when that reader helped me connect the dots between the character I was having trouble writing, well, maybe it's because it's a lot like me and it reflects me. And some of the lessons that my character needed to learn were lessons that God was trying to remind me of as well. Um, and I ended up, it, it really, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that, that beta reader shedding light on that for me changed the entire, my entire outlook on this book. Um, it really, I, I really saw what, how God was ministering to me and how he was trying to speak to me. Um, and, you know, oftentimes I think as writers, we look at what we are maybe providing or helping to provide for readers, you know, the consumers of our words. And um, in this case, I'm every bit as much, you know, helped and affected by how this ended up and some of the truths that come out in it. Um, my life verse as a young person, when I went through confirmation was Isaiah 41, 10, mm-hmm. um, you know, do not fear for I am with you. And that ends up coming up in the story for Leah. And it was just such a sweet and tender, um, part of my faith journey that I think will just be a pivotal moment, um, that I don't think I'll ever forget to be able to make that connection. That's awesome. And that's kind of some of that long-term fruit of writing that uh, I think we get to experience in a special way when we're writing Christian fiction is that idea that it is this partnership. And if we're willing to go there, God can do some pretty amazing things, not just for our readers, but also for us. And that's what makes it such a fun fun in air quotes. It's not necessarily fun in the moment, but it can become fun, um, especially in the looking back and the seeing what God was doing. So you're wrapping up the series Mm -hmm. and what's coming next? What are you going to work on next? Yeah. So um, I've got uh, coming out April 26th is a collection that is so fun. I'm seriously so excited about it. It's very different in some ways from other stuff I've published. Um, It's still contemporary Christian romance, but it is um, it's called the 80s rom-com club collection. Um, I'm in it with um, several other authors. Um, I'm not going to try to list them here because I'm going to forget somebody and I'm going to feel awful. So um, maybe we can put that in the details. Um, But yeah, the 80s rom-com club. And the idea is that each of our heroines in our separate novellas are um, all members of an online uh, club online chat group kind of thing. And they all love 80s rom-com movies, Um, but it's modern day. And so each of our novellas is loosely inspired by one of those well-loved 80s blockbuster (laughs) rom-coms. Oh, that's so fun. So what is your novella inspired? Yeah. So mine is called um, Just Like That. 
and it's inspired by Baby Boom, that movie with Diane Keaton. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of a marketing executive, we have a um, uh, uh, social media influencer who is at really the top of her game, living in New York City, um, and about to close one of the biggest uh, kind of de product deals that she's ever had the opportunity of getting, something she's been working for the whole her whole life. And um, she's called back to her tiny hometown um, in, of course, North Carolina, um, where after her brother, who's a single dad, gets called off to um, China for eight weeks for his job. And so she's there to watch her uh, niece. And so kind of like in, in Baby Boom, the movie, she sort of um, takes on the parental, you know, unit for this family. Um, but in it, she maybe discovers that that's where her heart is all along. Um, and, and that the city maybe isn't what, um, you know, where she belongs or, or all that God has, uh, has in store for her. So it was super oh. fun to write. And of course we're having so much fun reliving a lot of these eighties, you know, favorite eighties movies. And I think oh. it's going to be really fun to market. I think, um, a lot of readers are going to really enjoy that. That is so fun. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like the 80s rom-coms, Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, um, Three Men and, oh, so I'm trying to think of some of the stories that, um, so somebody's doing Romancing the Stone, <laughs> which, um, yeah, uh, that's going to be amazing. That's um, Emily um, Haney. Uh, well, she's writing as Belle Renshaw. Um, and uh, we've got someone, Michael Dawn is writing, um, sort of an inspired story by the money pit. Oh, how fun. Which I've, I've, I critiqued for her and it, it is absolutely darling. Um, you, everybody's going to love it. It's so good. So yeah, there's a lot of really great stories that are being retold. That sounds so fun. Yeah. I didn't realize Emily was Belle Renshaw. I just learned something. You That's did? So oh yeah. yeah. She's only reached. Yeah. Only, I don't know if it's even been a whole year that she announced that, but she still has sort of, um, feet in, in both areas. And so, yeah, isn't that fun? That's really fun. Yeah. yeah. And the cover is just perfect. It's such a, a classic look for eighties rom-com. So what a fun idea. Um, so you're getting ready to, uh, take a little bit of a break after that one comes out, but we were talking about how one of your favorite parts of writing is one that is actually where I struggle coming up with the idea for the book. Um, and especially when it comes to contemporaries, I'm like, ah, I've seen that. Ah, I've seen that. How do I make that new? Right. And yet that's your favorite part. Yeah. So why, why does the brainstorming and the coming up with the ideas, the part that's just constantly going in your mind, how do you do that? Teach me. I don't know. I really don't know. Cause sometimes, um, so, so for my, uh, second novel in the Laurel Cove series, um, suddenly forever, I literally jolted out of bed out of a dead sleep one night and had almost the entire idea in my brain. I had to sit up in the dark on my phone and like type out in my notepad, the general idea I had, you know, even one of the sub characters, I had her whole, kind of backstory in my brain. It was wild. And anyway, it's never happened like that before or since. <laughs> yeah. Um, but usually for me, I just get tipped off by the craziest little things. Sometimes I'll be listening to a song and just a phrase in a song will, I'll think, oh, that, that would make a really fun title. And yeah. then as soon as I have the idea for a title, then I think, well, what story might go with that? Um, and so sometimes it's just a little snippet and I'll jot it down. Um, 
a lot of times I will, um, I, you know, just as a human being, I'm one of those types of people that anywhere I go, I, I, I just kept, I catch glimpses of people and I immediately come up with what is going on or what their backstory is or where they're coming from. Or, you know, I even did, I used to do that as a kid in school. I remember maybe that's because I'm such an introvert and I was very shy growing up. And, um, so sort of just that, I, that creating worlds and, yeah. you know, I wasn't the kind of person who could go up to someone and say, tell me your story. So I would just sort of create it for them. <laughs> That's fascinating. Cause I'm the one who's like, okay, so I want to know about you. What's right. going on with you? Who are you? Why are you here? Why are you doing this? Da, 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 da. Right. And so maybe I'm just not quiet enough to sit there and imagine all of that. And when my husband would be like, let's play the what if game. I'm like, yeah, no, let's not. <laughs> Which is crazy when you think that I write books and that's all it is, is a what if game. But the getting, getting that initial idea is just laborious for me and getting that, the layers, getting all the different what ifs to line up. I like, I'm to the point, I'm like, okay, I need to come up with a list of here are all the lies we believe. So I can start (laughs) writing my hero and heroine up on opposite sides for books, you know, and be like, well, she sees it this way, but he's doing it that way. And it's the same line. We're coming at it from two different angles. And I'm like, I'm that, I guess, left-brained about it. Um, Well, but I think it's interesting because I could never in a million years write crime or suspense or anything where like actual, like little details matter that much, like to make the ends, you know, point A to point Z match up. Um, I am so much more of a big thinker. Um, You know, I think about things like, what do I want it to feel like? What do I, you know, I mean, it has taken a little bit more discipline for me to start writing like character sketches that are longer than just what the person looks like and what their personality is like. You know, I, I've had to teach myself and, and, and workshops and books have helped, you know, that things like their, you know, their desires and their past and, uh, you know, maybe their, what their past relationships were like, like filling in these things that may not make it into the book, but help create a well-rounded character. Um, that's where I struggle a little bit more (laughs) than just the big idea. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, especially when you're working on a series, that can be the challenge is I never want my heroines, especially when I'm writing a legal series and they're all attorneys and they're all like late twenties, early thirties, it's really easy for them to feel like it's just copy and paste, change the name. And so I found it takes a lot more work to dig in and make sure they are these freestanding separate characters and that there's differentiation between them and the heroines and other books. And so maybe that's part of it. You know, it's just the more you write, the more you're like, oh, that feels like something I wrote 10 books ago. I need to change that up. Yeah, definitely. Well, and and in, in two of my books, um, Say It's For Good, this last one, and the very first one, um, the heroes are brothers. And so it was one of those situations where when I sat down to write Jasper's story, I had mentioned him in the first book for sure. He, you know, he, he shows up, of course, but I hadn't developed him. And so, you know, trying to find that balance between them being similar as brothers and, and, and seeming alike enough, but also different enough that they're two different people, you know, that the reader who read someplace familiar, the first book doesn't say, oh, Jasper's just like Jack, you know? Well, and I think, I know you have kids, I have kids, and it's been so instructive 
to have these four kids, two girls, two boys, and they're so different. And right. you start seeing how birth order and interest and just all these different little things added together make two very unique individuals. And so right. it really does take kind of doing that same work to figure out, okay, how are these characters different? Um, and so it's part of the fun, but it is, it does kind of take a discipline because I've never been one of those who could lay my character on a couch and just act like a psychologist and be like, tell me all about your deepest, darkest moment. Right. You know what, <laughs> what I always struggle with and tell me about your happiest moment. Cause I'm like, right. no. You know, yeah. it's so Beth Boat actually told me I had to start keeping a happiness journal and I did that for like half a day before I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess yeah. that's part of, you know, me coming out in my characters. Oh yeah. Something. And I think we all, we, you know, we all do that. I mean, clearly, like I said before, I, I relate a lot to Leah, the heroine and say it's for good, but I think we, it's near impossible to not put a tiny bit of ourselves in at least one of the main characters that we write, because it's what we know the best. You know, it may be a layer of ourselves that nobody sees or a layer that we'd rather hide and not admit that we can relate to, <laughs> but it certainly can inform making those characters on the page seem a little bit more real and um, multidimensional for sure. Absolutely. All right. So, um, so you're giving yourself a break from writing. Why? Apparently I am. Yes. Um, and it's, it was funny. Um, you and I were speaking just before this and, and before we got started and I kind of hadn't thought of it this way before, but something I said to you make, makes a lot of sense, I think, in explaining it. Um, you know, the act of writing, especially as an indie author, when you know that you're committed to so many steps of the process, um, you know, figuring out how those dominoes fall and setting your own deadlines and there's nobody else there <laughs> to hold you to them. That has taken such discipline for me. Um, and my first book came out in 2017. Um, and then the second one in the series didn't come out until 20, late 2019, early 20, uh, 2020, 2020. Is that right? I have to look back. I should really know these things. Um, but there was a lot of time in between. And uh, so that discipline has been hard for me. But my I had set a goal for myself once I started writing again um, that I really wanted to deepen my shelf. I wanted to finish up this um, Laurel Cove series um, and, and not make readers wait too long, you know, for each book. And so in the last 24 months or so, I've written a lot. And I've published a lot and um, it's taken a lot out of me. Um, I feel like I've maybe not done the best at balance um, as far as balancing, you know, my full-time day job, of course, keeps me kind of set within certain parameters of hours and dedication. Um, but that means that I write, you know, I, I, I've talked a lot in my writer circle about writing on the fringes and those fringe hours of sometimes early morning, oftentimes in the evening after dinner. Um, and, you know, my family, I mean, not that they've suffered because of it, they're very supportive, um, but it's just gotten to be a lot. And I think I find myself feeling a tiny bit burned out. And creatively, I don't want to completely drain that well to the point that I don't enjoy it anymore um, or anything. And so anyway, getting back to what I said earlier that kind of struck a chord, 
I think I am seeing that there is just as much discipline in the obedience of listening when God tells us to rest, just as much in the discipline of doing. Um, and I think in our society, we can get so wrapped up in, you know, producing things or um, checking boxes. And, you know, in some ways it's consumerism for some people, for other people, it's staying busy. It's this, you know, feeling like you have to produce. And I'm just at that point where I kind of, I'm seeing in myself that God wants me to rest a little bit. Um, and so I don't know if it'll be six months. I don't know if it'll be a whole year. Um, I've got, like I just said, I've got a lot of ideas that I'm kind of now itching to write now that I don't have a deadline. <laughs> yeah. So now the discipline is actually following through with the rest um, and, and seeing what God wants to kind of work on me in a different way during that time. That's I don't awesome. think it'll, then, I don't think it'll be a long, long time yeah. though. So um, we'll see. Yeah. Not with the kind of ideas that you have, but I think <laughs> I really respect that because I tend to be the person who just works and works and works and works and works. And then I hit a wall and right. I have to stop. Right. And so I'm trying to get better at developing some of those, um, not necessarily patterns. Cause I don't think there's necessarily a pattern to it, but that rhythm, that ability to hear, okay, or even just to look back and go, okay, I actually did need that rest and right. I wasn't going to give it to myself. So the pause kind of got added. Um, right. And so I just really respect that you're doing that. So we're going to have to write together again because Christmas in Mistletoe Square was so much fun. It was so fun. Yeah. But it's so great to see you and thanks for coming on tonight. Congratulations. Thanks for having me. It's always yeah. so much fun. Yeah. And congratulations on Say It's For Good. And I'm so looking forward to the 80s rom-com club. That thanks. looks like a hoot. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. This was so much fun. If you enjoyed this conversation, remember you can join us live on my Facebook page on Tuesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the next conversation. I'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review on your favorite platform. I love to hear from you, so be sure to leave a comment on this episode's show page at caraputman.com, and you can also interact with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget, when you join my e-newsletter, I send you a copy of Dying for Love, the novella that launches the Hidden Justice series, as my gift to you. Thanks again for tuning in.